This morning's scripture reading will alternate between verses from Genesis chapter 32, read by Pastor Lori, and verses from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, read by me. Can you hear me now? When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him up in the cities. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok's River, shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to them, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. He helped them cross the river, but Jacob stayed apart by himself. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, this is an isolated place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. But Jesus said to them, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. They replied, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit on the grass. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and one. He took the five loaves of bread and two fish, looked up to heaven. And he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and one. Jacob also asked and said, tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob right there. He blessed them and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. Jacob named the place Peniel because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men, plus women and children, had eaten. The sun rose as Jacob passed Penuel, limping because of his thigh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
Thank you, Aaron, for participating with me in that unconventional reading. And thank you to Shoshana, who's running our video this morning. We're delightful. You're, we're delighted you're here. Thank you. And thank you in advance to Terry Forston, who's going to help me lead communion this morning. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Wes and I have a cat. We are um, the kind of cat owners who have one tiny cat, but our lives revolve around her and our emotions revolve around her as though we had a household full of children. <laughs> we have one cat, and she's in her, you know, middle ages. She's at her mellow stages, and so she mostly sleeps on a chair in the dining room. But there was a time when she was younger when she went all kinds of places with us. There were even times that we took her to the Midwest with us when we were visiting family members. And there was one time when I was alone with her in an airport. And typically, if you've ever had to take a cat or a dog through the airport, you may know this, typically when you're in an airport, you were required to keep them in a carrier so that they don't get loose. Uh, and cause problems for the other passengers or for the flight crew. Um, but if you have layovers, you may need to take your dog for a walk or give your cat some space to um, stretch. The thing about cats is that they um, are really attached to their home spaces and not being in the spaces they know is extremely anxiety producing. So in a way that might be counterintuitive for most of us, they like to be confined. I was still learning this when my cat was much younger, and she seemed like she had been confined for a really long time. And so as I was waiting in between flights, I thought, let me just take her out of her carrier and I'll just hold her a little bit and stroke her and calm her, and then I'll put her back in and that will be, well, some of you are already laughing because you know that didn't work out the way that I planned. She got free, and the first thing that she tried to do with all of her might and all of her soul and all of her strength was to get under the armchair I was sitting in <laughs> to a place where there's no hope of me ever retrieving her. It's because when she was in a panic, when she was anxious, she wanted nothing more than to go to a deserted place by herself. She wanted nothing more to withdraw and to tamp down on all of the noise and all of the smells and all of the people and other creatures surrounding her. She just wanted to be able to withdraw. That is what felt safe to her. I should have known. I should have known because people are like that too. When we're dealing with an onslaught of chaos, when we're confronted by the loss or the disruption of something that we thought would be rock solid forever, when the tears start to well up, when we start to um, lose our ability to do things well, 
When we start to get so frustrated that we're burning the toast and we feel like an idiot, the thing we want most of all is to go to a deserted place by ourselves and have no witnesses to this struggle. These two stories in the lectionary for us this week call to me in the way that both of them are so emphatic. That this was a moment in the life of Jacob where it was worth it to him to move all of his large family and all of his property and all of the rest of their workers and household to one place. And then, after all of that tiring work, withdraw to a deserted place by himself. He was scared. His life was being completely overturned in that 24, 48 hours. And he didn't want anyone to see it. And Jesus, too. Jesus, too, is going to a deserted place by himself. And when we only hear this reading in the lectionary, we can miss why. What comes right before this? Why is Jesus withdrawing to a deserted place by himself? It's because John the Baptist has been murdered and he's just heard about it. He's grieving. He's shaken up. He needs a minute. We know that a deserted place is not always a physical place. Sometimes our places of wandering are the deserts. But sometimes the places that we go when we feel scared or we feel sad or we're falling apart for one or another reason, our internal places, our places of distraction or substance use or something just to take us out of being present here now. God understands this. Both Jacob and Jesus go through it. It's a part of being human. But both of them discover that as much as they want that, as much as they might be willing to spend the energy to get to that deserted place by themselves, by himself, by himself. They aren't by themselves, are they? No, because immediately, as happens all through the stories in the Bible, just as the Bible has taken enormous efforts to reassure us that no one else is around, here comes a bunch of other characters. Jesus goes off to a deserted place by himself. He needs some quiet, and he finds a crowd there. Later in the story, we find out also the disciples, who should have known better, followed him. Even they couldn't leave him alone. But Jacob, who's in his solitary tent by the side of the river, in the middle of that dark night, he too, is with someone. He's not just aware of them because of some smoke that he can see rising from a fire on a different distant hill. He can't overhear their cell, cell phone conversation. They didn't just wave to each other on their way back and forth to the wash house. No, they're wrestling. 
he's not only not by himself, he's actually in the grips of another. And they are wrestling all night long and to the dawn. He cannot be by himself because he is being held. He is being held. We cannot withdraw from God's presence at all because the Lord is definitely in this place and in those places and in all of the places where we seek refuge. In all of the places where we are looking for nurture and restoration and security, God is there already. In all of the wandering places, in all of the falling short, and needing support places. God is there. God is already there. God's covenant with us is to bear the full burden of our desire or our desolation. The story says that Jesus felt the urge to go to a deserted place by himself, and when he got there, he saw there was a crowd, and what happened? Did he resent them? Did he pull out his bullhorn and say, clear out, guys? I need a minute, talk to me after my nap. No, it says he had compassion for them and immediately began healing the sick. When we get to that place, and this means a lot to me because I'm an introvert, I don't look like one, I'm a professional extrovert, but I'm a little bit on the introverted side personally. And I know from my own experience and from talking to people who are more introverted than I even, that one of the things that you long for in having alone time or quiet time is just to be able to put down all of the stress that comes with being observed. Nobody even has to be asking anything from you, but just the fact that they're there to bear witness to you takes energy. But then, even as an introvert, there's some people or creatures, or artists. You can keep company with even in those times when you're so tired because they don't cost you anything. They give, they feel like an extension of yourself or of your deepest soul and so you can turn to that author, to that author or that piece of music or to that friend even when you are at your lowest ebb because it is restorative. God's like that. And so Jesus tells the disciples, don't send the crowds away, you feed them. You feed them. I know you can do it. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but it's not Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus gives the disciples bread and fish, and the disciples feed the 5,000. Jacob wrestles in the night with a stranger and determines sometime in the middle of that struggle, sometime between its beginning and its end, even though he badly wanted to be in a place by himself, he decides somewhere in that struggle that no, he doesn't want to be by himself. He wants to be with this, with this spirit that has been holding him, and he wants to hang on to it. He wants to hang on to it until it blesses him, until it changes him, until it leaves its mark on him forever. 
and he can take it with him wherever he goes. And this is also what Jesus does for the disciples by empowering them to feed the hungry. He's giving them the gift of finding Christ within them wherever they go. Understanding that even in the remotest place, even in the most barren place, where it seems like there's absolutely nothing to meet one's need, God is there. God is with you all the time. The Spirit of God transcends time, and like a time traveler is wrestling with Jacob by the side of the river and holding up the bread to be blessed, to give to the 5,000, and meeting us on the night in which he was betrayed. And in this room, right now, making this service and this communion a moment of miracle. A moment of seeing God face to face and recognizing that our lives are truly saved. Any of us who came to worship by ourselves this morning, we are not really by ourselves. God is here. And breaking bread with us. So let's give thanks. I'd like to invite Terry forward to help me with the communion prayers. <laughs> 